Hello, I'm Nigella Lawson and these are my seasonal sound bites. Three podcasts in celebration of festive cooking produced in collaboration with my publisher's Vintage. Now, I make no secret of the fact that Christmas lunch is my favourite meal in the world. As I've often said, I wallow in it and relish it. It's an enthusiasm that I appear to have inherited. My great-grandmother loved Christmas lunch so much, she made a second one each Midsummer's Day. While this is, admittedly, high-stakes cooking compared to your average lunch, I really believe that the stress should never outweigh the pleasure. Home cooking is the real heart of Christmas, and home cooking needn't ever be perfect or fancy. For me, the cosy splendour of a full festive table, and even better, the company of those sitting around it, always just about outweighs those moments of rocketing blood pressure. Here, I talk through the before, during and after of my Christmas. The traditional classics the alternative recipes, and those dishes I return to year after year. And of course, some tips for minimising stress levels and making sure the season of goodwill stays that way. Today I'm thinking about the lead-up to Christmas, when anticipation and nerves mingle with excitement and the irresistibly cosy twinkling of winter. While a certain level of preparation is crucial if one is to retain sanity, it's also important to remember not to overcomplicate things. It's easy to forget, in the middle of the panic and weight of expectation as the main event looms, that other festive meals exist, not that I'm trying to frighten you. I'm going to discuss some of my go-to recipes that act as a perfect precursor to Christmas Day itself. It feels only right that I introduce my unabashed love of Christmas food with a reading from my book, Nigella Christmas. Everything I believe in, essentially that warmth, contentment, welcome and friendship emanate from the kitchen, finds most cogent expression for me at Christmas. Christmas in my home really is about bringing light and fire and warmth into the chill darkness. I love the reminder of the cycle of the seasons, the belief in the beneficence of Mother Nature and the sense that the hearth and the home keep the light alive and provide sustenance and hope. I feel the Christmas rituals of the home are, even if not based around faith, essentially an act of good faith. I see the argument against, the world is starving and we overeat and celebrate overeating, the world is poor and we spend money to give presents to people who truly don't need anything. I know how it seems, crassly commercial, tawdry, tacky and insincere, but I defend the exuberance and the lurch of excess as a kind act in a cruel world. It is about shining a light in the darkness, providing warmth in the cold. I make no distinction between the glow from the fairy lights, the warmth of the oven and the welcome in the home. I see festive indulgence not as a bad thing or an act of weakness, but a celebration of being alive, a positive source, if not for good, then for happiness. I know from experience how easy it is to be overwhelmed by the sheer workload and the burden of expectations, one's own above all. Christmas has to be about plenty, and the last thing I'd ever advocate is a miserly pared-down version, but there is abundant sense in finding a workable, enjoyable way through it. Nigella, you've mentioned there in your reading about how people can worry about Christmas, and I wondered how far in advance do you plan for your Christmas? I am so bad at planning. I start thinking about Christmas early, and I tell myself I'm going to plan, but I'm very bad at it. I think that, for me, planning too far ahead makes me feel suddenly constrained, as if I've got these orders I have to follow. I mean, there are certain recipes I do start tinkering with early. Obviously, a Christmas pudding 
should be made early, but I always slightly get in under the wire and just about manage it in the beginning of December, maybe. And I haven't actually made my Christmas pudding yet, but it's there. The ingredients are ready and I'm going to do it. I know some people make a Christmas pudding a year in advance. I manage that one year. <laughs> I make mincemeat early. It's not very complicated. I don't do an enormous fancy one. I do like to add cranberries, though. I think that gives a bit of a zing. Sometimes a mince pie can be just too sweet and cranberries give that edge. And at Christmas, sometimes a bit of edge is what's needed. I think sometimes what's quite difficult is those sort of parties that you give around Christmas or people come for a drink. And I make some Parmesan shortbreads, which are very easy. It's quite interesting, a savoury shortbread. And I make these ahead. I roll them into sausages. I put them in the freezer, trying to wrap them enough so they don't get frostbite. And then when I need them, I defrost, I cut them into coins, and I just put them in the oven. And I think these are essential for my Christmas sanity. There's making a long time ahead, and there is making just a few days ahead. And I think that really is important. I mean, something like red cabbage. I used to make red cabbage the way my mother made it, with lots of sugar and spices. In How to Eat, I called it red cabbage in the Viennese mode or style. And I do a very simple one, which is red cabbage just cooked in pomegranate juice. So it's not hard. But nevertheless, one of the reasons why it's quite good to do it ahead, because much as I adore red cabbage, it doesn't make a very agreeable smell when you're cooking it. So I get that done ahead. And the thing about red cabbage, it really does taste better when it's been sitting in its juices in the pan for a couple of days. Cranberry sauce I make ahead, and actually that's so easy to make. I used to get it from a jar when I was younger because my mother did, but it's so easy, it's almost embarrassing not to make it. It does get very thick when you make it ahead, so you need to kind of thrash it about with a fork. But when you're feeling Christmas stress, thrashing about with a fork is exactly what you need. One of the things I find very difficult is making gravy at the same time as you're making everything else on Christmas Day. So I make a gravy ahead. I get the giblets out of the turkey and I cook them with aromatics, carrots, onions, the usual, but lots of spice because this is my allspice gravy. And I make that ahead so that really all I need to do on the day is put a little flour and a little fat in a pan, make a roux and add this wonderful stock, maybe a little honey too. It really depends on how it tastes, but that makes life so much simpler. I couldn't have Christmas without bread sauce. When I was a child, I remember going into the kitchen and that smell of mace, clove, onion and sweet milk to me is the smell of Christmas. And obviously you need stale bread, so I get the bread staled in advance, but I make it on Christmas morning because that's my ritual. Some amazing tips there for food. I just wondered, apart from the food preparation, are there any sort of practical things that you can do to help stay calm and organised in the lead up to the big day? I do think you don't want to be messing around, climbing up, getting things out of shelves. So what I do in advance is decide which bowls, which dishes I'm going to serve everything in. And I put them out with a post-it note and scribble on it, you know, bread sauce in this, cranberry sauce here, Brussels sprouts in this one. Now, obviously, you can't do it too far ahead because then you can't move. But I have been known to clutter the floor with all my bowls. Actually, it's, it's more helpful than it sounds because... It's that sort of organisation at the last minute when you're very flustered that can just push you over the edge. And I'm so clumsy, I end up breaking all my bowls. I hate planning, but I am an obsessive list maker. So I write a list of everything I'm going to do and I give a time to it. And in fact, in Nigella Christmas, I did actually publish that with all the times. But I have to say, I don't always stick to it. A friend of mine was over once a year and we were cooking Christmas lunch together. And she said, you do realise 
you were meant to have the water on for the Brussels sprouts by now because <laughs> I had actually not stuck to my own timetable. But it's still helpful and you can tick things off. Ticking things off is very, very good for one's sense of contentment. I wouldn't say smugness exactly, but it does give one a reassuring sense that everything is under control. Maybe an illusion, but it's helpful. Now, I do like to make edible gifts. It isn't because I'm so gloriously homespun and think something bought is bad. It's because I would so much rather be in the kitchen boiling up a chutney than I would be at a shopping mall, queuing up, getting frenetic. So in a way, it's an act of self-indulgence rather than generosity. But, but you know, think of it as mutual self-interest. I think the thing is, a present that has thought in it rather than is just a bit of panic buying, is much better. And I think people do get so excessive with presents at Christmas. Obviously, I'm not going to give the child some chutney. But for me, if I can give people a lovely jar of, say, my Christmas chutney, which is just the scent of the season, or I've got a beetroot and ginger chutney, excellent with leftovers and cheese. There's a chutney I made for Nigelissima, which I give for presents a lot because everyone loves it, which is a fig and olive chutney. I mean, dried figs, obviously. There's something about that rich sweetness of the fig and the salty sharpness of the olives that makes it quite wonderful. And I found once um, online (laughs) some ribbon that looks like olive leaves, and I festoon my jars with this. And can I just say, I am the world's worst wrapper-upper. If I can stick a ribbon on something and make it look pretty, rather than have to wrap it up, I I feel a lot calmer. Uh, My late husband, John, when I would wrap a book even, used to say, it's a bottle of wine, because that's what it looked like by the time I finished wrapping it. (laughs) I think people do drop round at Christmas, if not unannounced, but suddenly you find you have to feed them. Now, I like feeding anyone, so I don't moan about that. So what I have sometimes is something I can just trot out. It's quite normal to have leftovers, so obviously you may not need to worry about the meal itself, but I think people do like something sweet at Christmas. So what I make ahead is some Christmas fruits, steeped Christmas fruits, I call them, which is with dried fruits. So, for example, I might get a mixture of dried fruits, raisins, sultanas, currants and glacé cherries, say, uh, dark glacé cherries, I don't go for the bright red ones, and I pour over them some incredibly treacly, beautiful spiced sherry called Pedro Jimenez. I mean, you don't have to use that. You could use any alcohol you want. But I love that. Not only if you just pour that over ice cream, spoon it over ice cream, I should say. Um, it is wonderful. It almost smells like Christmas pudding. And also, if you keep a few jars, if you've forgotten to give anyone a present, you can quickly whip it out. And otherwise, I do golden sultanas in Grand Marnier. Wonderful and orangey. Actually, it does look very uplifting and golden. And because I always push things a little too far, and I do have a sense of kitsch, it's not actually breaking news, I do pour cherry brandy, not kirsch, but wonderful glowing ruby cherry brandy over some dried red cherries. And it looks splendid. Nigel, I wonder if I could ask you a little bit about Christmas Eve, uh, what traditions you have, what are some of the dishes that you always come back to? Well, I tend always to cook a ham. Partly because a festive ham looks so welcoming and gorgeous, but also I have in mind that the day after Christmas I'm going to have leftover turkey and I really want some leftover ham to go with it. Also for sandwiches, very important. So, of course, my traditional Christmas Eve ham has always been my ham and Coca-Cola. My children always loved my ham and Coca-Cola and indeed still do, but sometimes I want to change it up a bit and I do 
of fantastic and so simple, slow-cooked black treacle ham. And why this is really easy is that if you're quite stressed, wrangling a big ham in some boiling water or Coca-Cola can be uh, a trifle anxiety-provoking. So really all I do is get a big sheet of foil, heavy-duty foil, or maybe a few sheets, put a ham on it, and then I just get a tin of black treacle and a smother the ham in it, and then I wrap it up like a kind of Christmas present. It's quite loose, but very tightly sealed. And you can just leave it in an oven for, you know, best part of a day, I find. You've got your ham. It's very easy. Just take the rind off then start scoring. And it always reminds me of my mother at Christmas, that diamond pattern and studding with cloves, and then make another slightly treacly glaze. And then There it is, back in the oven. So it's very, very simple. Sometimes people wrongly assume that if a recipe takes a long time to cook, it's complicated. But actually, the ham's cooking itself in the oven. So it's very easy for me or for whoever's cooking it. I like to partner that with macaroni cheese. Again, it's because I always have, and I think that ritual is quite important at Christmas. My macaroni cheese deluxe, which I've always done, which has many, many cheeses, (laughs) many cheeses in that, and actually... I often put in whatever I've got around as well in the way of cheeses. But in Simply Nigella, I came up with a macaroni cheese that I absolutely love, which is a regular macaroni cheese, except it's got sweet potato and some feta in it. And the sharpness of the feta and the sweetness of the macaroni cheese really go with the ham well, because ham also is both sweet and salty. And I quite like it too, because it makes me laugh, because it looks really bright orange, so it looks like you've got some macaroni cheese out of a packet. But in fact, the orange is the earthy goodness of a sweet potato. If I'm not cooking, say, a a proper meal, I then will have people round and I do my fully loaded potato skins. And that really is, I bake some potatoes ahead, I scrape out the flesh of the potatoes, and I mix the potato flesh, um, once it's a bit cold, with sour cream, cheese, spring onions, you name it, anything I can. And then I put them back into the potatoes. Then I just put this mixture back into the potato skins, the kind of little boats, I suppose you could call them, and put a bit more cheese on top and then put them in the oven when I need them. And they are really great. So they're very good if you've had a party or come back from a party and need something to soak up all the excess alcohol. And obviously, because they're fully loaded, I do like to sprinkle some crisp bacon on top in little pieces, little bacon confetti. I have sometimes gone a bit off-piste, and instead of doing a ham and macaroni cheese, I do sausages and mash. And with the sausages, I do a cider and onion gravy. And I have a mash which is called heaven and earth mash. Heaven and earth mash has some apple inside the potatoes. Now, when I cooked that for my children when they were little, I would never have said there's apple in that mashed potato because then they wouldn't have eaten it, but they loved it. The reason why it's called heaven and earth mash is because you've got the apples that grow up in the skies and the potatoes which grow in the earth and in fact are called in German earth apples, et apple. And I do, you know, I do think you don't want to have too much on Christmas Eve because you, you know, you're gearing up for the next day. But I like to make my Christmas Rocky Road and I cut those into little squares, obviously. And then I have some little plastic reindeer, which I put as if they're, you know, climbing them. I put a really teeny plastic reindeer on certain squares and then dust with ice and sugar. And I rather like the look of it. I don't think you can be too kitsch for Christmas. I mean, good taste is important, but you don't want to have an excess of good taste at Christmas. 
Thank you for listening to my seasonal sound bites. I read today from my book Nigella Christmas. My latest, Simply Nigella, with seasonal recipes of its own, is out now. You can also find a selection of festive recipes at nigella.com. Look out for the next episode of my seasonal soundbite series when I will be talking about Christmas Day cooking.